You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, you should go check out your crying child. Yeah, yeah that was awful. That was awful. I, 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 crying children. Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast. A part of the Touchline Fraca uh, Media Network, Media Group, Touchline Media Group, uh, based out of London. I'm your host, Asa Smith, um, here to talk to you about the fact that uh, America beat Jamaica in a soccer game, scored two goals. It was pretty cool. Uh, and also some, some preview for the, uh, the American football weekend to come with some betting lines and all that other fun stuff. Um, this episode is brought to you by the Anchor app uh, for all of your podcasting needs and the Smith Workforce Management Group for all of your uh, NIL, employment law, human resources, all that other fun stuff. Uh, Check them out at smithworkforce.com. Check out the Anchor app at anchor.fm. And let's get right into it with a recap of the soccer game with good friends Kevin and Ben. How you doing, Coach Kevin? Doing fantastic. How are you? Oh, I, I could not be could not be more pleased after a very frustrating start. You know, it, it was a tough game. It, it, it felt like deja vu, where it's like you know they were kind of strangling the game with no clear cut opportunities, other than the two I don't know questionable red cards. The the broadcast booth, I think, was a little yeah. sensational. They, they were they were not great fouls, but um, I, they weren't they weren't as egregious as they made them out to be. So I thought that the first one was clear. Like the first one to me was clear. Like it was a horse collar tackle. Like, mm-hmm. And like, did Ariola, Ariola sell it? Yes. But it was a horse collar tackle. Like yeah. that's 15 yards and first down in the other right. football. Right. Um, the second one, it was like, uh, I mean, if you wanted to, you could have called that. I didn't think that it needed to be a right. I think that I was fine with that second call. Um, but other than those two opportunities, I felt like a lot of the same where, the U.S. kind of choked the game. No clear-cut opportunities, not a lot of shots on goal. And you were just waiting for those two or three stupid chances where we make a mistake and we get countered. 
Yeah, but I, I think the, the, the interesting thing for me was that because Eunice was, and we'll, we'll talk about like sort of everybody in order, I guess. But I think Eunice Musa being so uh, progressive allowed West to play in that like sort of shuttle role. And so there was no countering because you don't counter Tyler Adams with help. Um, and I, I see Ben has, has joined us. Ben, how you doing? Very well. I had to take a second for a celebratory pour. You got you're pretty quick on the trigger at the podcast. Here. <laughs> you know, it's it's because it's because we're we're a day late, so I don't want to be a dollar short. Ah, eh, eh, eh. Eh, eh. What what are we drinking? Uh the good stuff this time. Eagle Rare. Ooh. My personal Ooh. favorite. Very nice. And Kevin, Kevin, were you drinking anything? Yeah, I've got a severe Sierra Nevada Pale Ale in the hand right now. Very nice. Very, Very nice. currently recording from the, the beautiful rocky cliffs of Moab, Utah. Just got done nice. today. Rode the whole enchilada for our view for our listeners out there who are mountain bike fans. Look it up. I, I wondered <laughs> where those picks were from. Yeah, yeah. I'm in southern Utah right now. Yeah. Um. So I I was I was drinking watermelon lemonade truly, and I don't want to hear about it. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so just going through it real quickly, um, the, the lineup, obviously, most of the people listening are, are aware of what happened. But if you're not, the lineup was probably nine out of 11 were, were your top of depth chart, um, given, given the, the people here. Um, Turner and goal, uh, left to right on the back line was Jedi, Robinson, Zimmerman, and Dest. Um, it almost looked like a double pivot to me. Yeah, uh, and I liked that- it. Yeah, the way that that McKenney and Adams were playing, it almost looked double pivoty. Um, yeah, like the pulley certain, system. Yeah, um, but if if you want to claim that that West was an, an eight with Musa, you can. But that looked that looked super four two three one to me. Um, so, what I, so what I've been calling for for a while, so I'm good with it. Yeah, and then uh, you had Brandon Aronson on the left, but he was super free, so even saying he was on the left seems wrong. Um, Ariola on the right, and and uh, our starting striker, America's striker, Ricardo Pepe up top. Um, yeah, buddy. That's done, right? <laughs> the, production, <laughs> the production is overwhelming. Like, I, I don't know how. He'd have to have, he'd have, have, to have such a dry run of games. For him to lose the spot, in my opinion. Well, I mean, in two games, he has three goals and two assists, right? And without and also, him, we have like zero goals and zero assists. Right? Like, all right, there, there, there's your sample size. We're done. Um, so, I, I mean, he, he it, what I thought was interesting, at least from my point of view, um, and we, we, you know, we can go through it sort of player by player, but um, Pepe, I thought in the first half was silent. I thought that he he like he just didn't create much, and I think the thing with him is that he is like sort of that pure striker that Berhalter claims he doesn't like, but ultimately that's the only one who can score because he does, like Pepe wasn't coming back to link up. He wasn't yeah, dropping deep. He was just he was sort of pressing the back line like shoulder to shoulder with center backs, just waiting for service, and then ultimately you know Dest and Aronson were able to to give it to him, but. Well- the, the first half was just more of the impotent possession, like pass it around, try a, you know, try a long ball that goes to nobody, just kind of the whole frustrating, you know, empty possession thing. And then, I don't know, weirdly, I don't know if you guys felt the same thing, like the opening goal just felt easy. 
like everything just clicked and it was dit, dit, dit. and like oh yeah that's how it's like you know how every once in a while I don't know if you guys golf but every once in a while you play golf and you have a hole where you hit the fairway you hit the green and you two putt and you get a par you're like oh yeah that's what that's what golf <laughs> is supposed to be like <laughs> yeah that's how that's how that goal felt it, it felt yeah. like the end of the Honduras game where after an entire window of frustration and just bewilderment and our ability to create chances it's like oh yeah you know beat 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 a player with a pass get it wide back into the middle boom goal and it, it just i don't know it felt so, as easy as breathing and, and that's not the case well what, what it felt like to me was like okay you have barcelona right back gets it to valencia center mid who gets it back to barcelona right back who gets it to 18 year old wonder kid who's about to go to ajax not what we normally do which is like why why aren't you playing the way that i think you should um <laughs> it was also I, the perfect it was also the perfect situation for Ariola because all he had to do was run really hard and take up people's attention and not touch the ball and he yeah. still still helped score the goal Just we kind of need that ball, man. i feel like I, i'm not i'm not going to bag on burhalter like he's doing fine but i feel a little bit like an MLS parallel where you had Atlanta United and all these players that could clearly attack. And then Frank DeBoer showed up and was like, no, you need to like recycle the ball and play slow and do all this stuff. <laughs> and at a certain point, like you've got the guys to just run it players, just do it. Like if you have space, go, it doesn't always have to be a square pass back. Um, yeah. I, so I, I thought that that was like, um, that there was a lot of like, a lot of just saying, with with Ariola, it's like just your job is just to to occupy eyes right it, it's not even like occupying defenders it's just occupy eyes like because if you make those those defenders like look then dest and whoever else are going to make them pay um there the i i don't know if if maybe there was just more space in the middle because peppy was playing so so advanced that that Aronson felt like it felt like Aronson could do whatever he want in the middle of the field. And, and it, yeah, and it in the, feels in like the first half. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, it feels like as much as we like love the idea of a striker who tracks back and, and, and links up, like I, I'm pretty sure our best player would really love a striker who gives him room to operate. No. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, in the first half, it kind of felt like our only chance at scoring was Aronson turning somebody over. Like, the only way we scored against Canada was um, that uh, Caldwell, I think, Canadian defender, took a bad touch, and, you know, Aronson pounced, knocked it away, and off we went. And that kind of felt like it was going to have to happen again for us to score before, you know, things clicked a little bit for us in the second half. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll say this about the, uh, the first half. Um, I think that that a lot of what was going on, I don't think that that Jamaica had any interest in playing this game, like like playing with any sort of of uh, attacking flair. Like they're they're they were playing nine ten behind the ball and getting it up to Nicholson and hoping that he could muscle it out. Well, they called John fun. Herdman and like, what did you do, dude? And uh, he's like, <laughs> just let him have the ball. They can't do anything with it. They're like, okay. So. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> correct, correct. Like, and and the thing is, is that it's like. It's not a terrible theory. So, right. so like, so, so once I, I feel like once Amer- once, um, once they got that first goal, and I think that this is going to be a, a trend when, when you're playing non Mexico teams, um, as long as you get the first goal and you get it quickly, like you're fine. Yeah. Make well, them play. So, yeah. Yeah. Sad. Sadly, I'm a Lions fan. 
And we all are. Oh, right. Gosh. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> like right now, watching the Lions, their offense has to go like they don't have big plays. If they're going to score, they have to go 15, 16. And like if at any point along the way they shoot themselves in the foot, they get a penalty, you know, that bad snap, whatever drives over. Like they have no ability to like overcome a mistake. And it kind of feels like U.S. in possession is a little bit like that. Like if the other teams just kind of sit and wait for us to screw up, eventually somebody will like have a heavy touch or somebody mm-hmm. will pay a, play a bad pass. And they're like, OK, here we can you know, counterattack. Well, that, that is where just being direct sometimes works. Like we, mm-hmm. we just we have a lot of quality in our midfield and attacking players, especially when like rain is on the field. But we're still, I don't, it's, it's hard to, to, it's hard to, to win games if you want to pass the ball 800 times. Yeah. I, we, don't, I think, we don't have those players. So at a certain point, you got to just like put your head down, be Paul Areola, and like crash the net. I don't, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> well, I, I think that like, you know, there was a lot of, um, of jokes about verticality oh, no. um, this, this week and, and as driven by, by Greg Berhalter's commentary about the whole thing. And how mm-hmm. ridiculous it is on its face. But whatever. It doesn't matter. But the, the reality is, is that I think that actually he's correct. When he talks about verticality, If what he means is we are going to go straight and we need to fast people on the edges who can go straight. Then he's right. Because this whole like side to side, you know, probe and kick and try to, it doesn't work. Um, so at like a certain point, it's just like, eh, fuck it. Play it through. See what happens. Yeah. Um, I, I like winning more than like pretending that we're changing like the the play style of American soccer. <laughs> yeah, around yeah. around the end of the se- around the end of the first half, I was in the like kick it long, let them have it, and then try to press them like camp. Uh, I was I, like, I, let's just let's just do that. I want to share a ter- like I had a this is a bad take given the way the second half went, but I was having legit concerns that it was going to because of how Pepe was just not involved in the first half. I was having legit. He was having legit concerns about something that cut out, but that's fine. I'm sorry. I, my, <laughs> so, again, this is like the second pod I've done on my phone. If I forget to keep the screen active, it drops me. Uh, I was concerned with Pepe having a, like a sophomore slump, like a crash back down to earth moment where he just wasn't involved. He gets subbed off at 65, and we d- draw 0-0, and like the hype is done. And part of it was, I think, just the way Jamaica was playing, and oh, there wasn't room. And he proved me very wrong because I'm an idiot. Thank you for, for doing that. But so I, I was worried. Yeah. So, so I think that the, the thing is with Pepe, and I, I noticed this with, with Dest. I think that because this team is so young, so like there are certain players who you're young, so you don't care. And there are certain players you're young, so you feed off of energy. Pepe is, is, is young and doesn't care. Like it doesn't matter. He can, he can pull a goal out. But Dest feels very much like a confidence player. And a lot of players on this team feel like that. Musso went from like, uh, okay, he was he had a fine, if you know, somewhat anonymous first half. And in the second half, he was just like, nope, I am the best player on the field. I have the potential to be, you know, unreal. And well, yeah, was- Musa, Musa and Dest both felt yeah. like they kind of like flipped a switch in the second half. We're like, let's friggin' go. And they just started, you know, just driving it. In, in in my in my head, what what uh, prompted that was at halftime. Uh, Tyler Adams just went like locker to locker and screamed in people's faces. <laughs> I, lo- um, I I love him with that bloody lip. And then like Zimmerman comes out for you know in warm ups with a black eye. 
just just great visuals <laughs> for like that gritty like yeah, right. you know late we just had 90s. A bar fight. now we're gonna play oh yeah bring back the old u.s soccer crest when we got players looking like that well i, I, I think confusing to me too was like adams clearly just got whacked in the face and like yeah. the announcers like never figured that out i'm like what what are you watching like he just got oh, yeah. punched in the face like yeah. did, you see, did you see that he like he washed his mouth out with the you know water yeah. and it came out like a like a river of blood right yeah I mean, it was legit i mean i guess was... announcing has got to be hard like you talk for two hours you're gonna say some dumb stuff in there but like how do you miss that i don't, I don't know i mean strictly speaking we we speak for like a half hour at a time and we say dumb stuff right oh, i actually yeah. eventually went to the spanish station because i prefer not understanding what they're saying <laughs> i so i i actually i i don't mind espns um i don't mind listening to to, to taylor twelman because every now and then he'll get upset and i remember the funniest rant of all time <laughs> Um, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah but right. John Champion that made his career. Yeah, I love he doesn't him. have a career. Made his, oh yeah, made his career. Anyways, um, continue. But but like I like Champion because Champion will do things like uh, like there will be a shot and like it'll be on net and and an American announcer because they because American announcers are all from the Gus Johnson school that says like you need to get excited anytime anything happens. Um, Champion like there was a there was a shot on on. Turner were like the one where he had to uh to dive to his right uh and pushed it away and John Champion was just like very in a very like calm manner was like never troubled him never, <laughs> I, actually, the I actually really like Ian Dark just because he looks like he just like woke up in the alley behind a bar and they're like <laughs> go call a soccer game he's like I got it yeah. Yeah. He, he's like sleeping off the Saturday or you know wakes up for that early Sunday game like yeah. oh god alright let's do this now somebody drag Dark in here <laughs> um i i really want to make a feels like it's still dark out joke but i'm gonna move on um so so going the the uh sort of the the game state of it the obviously the first goal happened pretty within five minutes of the the start of the second half and then the second goal came what was in the 60 60th 61st um somewhere somewhere 60 seconds 62nd there um and so the from a after that the the subs came sort of quick, and uh, so of the of the five subs, what, I want I want to go through each that that matters. I mean, Acosta didn't do anything that Acosta doesn't do. Um, I thought Shaq Moore was fine. I, I didn't think that he was super interesting. Um, Zarde should have had three goals. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like in twenty minutes he should have had three. So so Pepe had two goals tonight and neither of them were like, Oh my God, exceptional. Like just, just from nothing. They, they were, they were professional strike. Yes. Yes. They were, they were tap-ins there. They weren't like absolute tap-ins, but they're like moderate difficulty. If you, yeah. So you get paid money to play soccer, you finish them. Yeah. And then Zoras came on and the, the contrast was just, it was painful to watch. This is like, what would it be zero to zero if he had started this game? I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a question, but the thing is with Zardes is that like Zardes should have had three, this game, probably America probably could have had six, like the two, they scored three, you know, two from Zardes and then the two in the beginning. Um, but did Paul like, Carr the, tweet out the XG yet? Uh, I, I have not seen it. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously retweet that when that comes out, but it feels like this game was like a 4.1 to 0.6. Yeah, like, that feels uh, high, they, but maybe not. I mean, they, I'm being I'm being sarcastic. They but. they strangled that this game. There, this wasn't like a oh, I wasn't worried about losing zero to one. I was worried about it just sending like zero zero. I felt like they kind of 
I, Jamaica, did, Jamaica never they were never able to build anything. They didn't touch the ball. Yeah, it, they, they they were. It was. I, I I can think of maybe one one shot that I was like concerned about. It was the one that 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 uh, sailed from from Reed. Um, it had it had Turner Turner like it was like upper upper right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Turner yeah. had it covered, but yeah, he did. Turner like I'm, I was I was concerned when it came off, and then I saw the replay, and it was like, oh, his hand was where the ball would have been if it were on target. Yeah. Uh, uh, has the XG at 1.86 to 0.29, by the way. I mean, I'll take that. Fine. <laughs> right. Um, well, it, I don't know how XG handles those two tackles from behind because um, those weren't shots on goal. Anyways. Right. Um, and, and also, I'm, it, I'm it, sure it doesn't. Calculus was like working that into it. Yeah, and it didn't. And it doesn't take into account that Zardes just like missed a ball that was rolling at his foot. <laughs> I don't even. Yeah, honestly, the uh, going clubs. Or sorry, the uh, the solutions. Um, yeah, solutions. The one of the the most interesting thing I thought about them actually was it kind of gave us a preview of the next lineup. Like, yeah. You know, pulling Pepe at 68 means, you know, wrapping in bubble wrap, we're starting him again. Pulling mm-hmm. Aronson, but leaving but leaving Ariola probably tells you that, you know, Aronson and, you know, Wea are probably starting next match. And, you know, just leave Ariola out there to run himself to death. Uh, the desk sub is probably just a... Uh, Probably like, is he actually injured? Injured? What is there anything about uh, that? I haven't I haven't seen it, but in the in the post game, he seemed to be walking around without a limp. So I think that he was probably just like I'm. I, I don't feel like getting hurt again. It was okay. fine. I yeah, think yeah. I think probably the theory was is that he would play left back, and Shaq would start it right against. Um, is Panama Panama's next? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but about, I I I, I think about my boy he, Edlin. Uh, I think Yedlin. Yeah, I don't know where where, where Yedlin. I could see that. him for another. Anyway, this is like of no consequence, but I could see him for like a road qualifier. Yeah, nod. yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't shock me. He's a man. Uh, uh, seems to like his experience. He likes to start him in tough spots. Well, and he's, yeah. he he has like that right attitude when you're on the road. Like you need a guy who's gonna go in there and like bite people, and like he clearly <laughs> will do that. Like I love Yedlin. I love his attitude. The whole. Anyways, yeah. Sorry to, Yed, to interject. Um, but but I so so talking about the the subs. Um, I thought Luca Della Torre, Torre Torre. Do we know? I think it's Torre. Okay, Luca. Um, I thought that that he was he's interesting because I think he's almost a one for one with Musa, but he's just not as strong. Like he's 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 always looking up, always looking forward. I get why people like him, but I also see why. You know he's not uh, a, a guy who you really want to trust because I think uh, in the in the twenty minutes he was in, I, I saw him get little little brothered like three times. Yes, which is like not something you can do in Concacaf. He like, feels like a player better situated for like a World Cup game against insert European technical team here. Yeah, I mean, versus... giving him against against like Jorginho. I, yeah. I really think that he's he technically has some very legit gifts, but yes, I think that if we're just going to play bully ball, like no, he's not your guy. Well, yeah, um, Yunus Musa is like a first guy off the bus kind of guy. Yeah, like, yeah, he walks out and you're like, oh crap. Yeah, you know, De La Torre, not so much. No, yeah. um, he's, a little, he's a little guy. But but you you can also see like the the why people like him, like like you you get it, you get like that he can he can do things and he can unlock things that. I think is pretty useful in this team because if we're, if we don't have Gio, we don't have Christian, you know, 
Brandon Aronson's not going to play 270. You know, obviously he's, he's not going to play 250, whatever. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just um, to get nitpicky, did he feel, did it feel like a hair slow when he was played when he played that ball to Zardes? You know what I'm yeah. talking about, Zardes, yeah. like into the box. It felt like a, it's, a split second behind. It's 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 the type of pass that you you he did he he was thinking like I don't I can't put this too long because Blake's going to get it, but in doing so, he made sure that Zardes couldn't do anything with it. Well, and Zardes isn't going to rescue it with a you know with a a sublime touch, <laughs> right? Um. <laughs> So but it, it, one thing I thought it's weird, like when you think of game state, when you're up 2-0 and the game's open and you bring on an attacking player, I, at first I like, oh, he's going to look spectacular. He's probably going to, he may create something and it's not because he's playing against a low block, um, but actually kind of like the frantic kind of openness in that game. He may actually be better against a low block where you, I think he would. I think, I think, he yeah. would. I, think I think that, that he's the type of player, at least at this stage, where it's like I want him looking up. Yep. You know, like I want him seeing the field not playing quick. Yeah. Um, but the so the 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 final sub who we were going to talk about is uh, Tim Way is really freaking fast. Yes, he and, is. And I think that like I think that we've underrated, or at least I have, like underrated the the extent to which his speed can destroy people. Um. And I think that like, like we, you know, I, I think we've talked on, on this podcast and everybody agrees that like the best, the best option is Reina in, in the, in today's Musa role and Weya in today's Ariola role with obviously Christian on the left. Um, I think that that will be a really big problem for certain teams because I don't know how you defend it. Like, you know, obviously if you, you, if you have a left back who can go one-on-one with him, fine, but I don't know that there is one in CONCACAF. Yeah. He's, he's, well, I mean, Alfonso Davies, but, um, uh, I, 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 I've made it a, a point to, to no longer acknowledge the existence of Alfonso Davies because <laughs> he makes me sad. That, his, his, the fact that he was not involved in tonight's game is why I felt comfortable with the way that things were going, where we were dominating Jamaica, where it's like, well, you know what? If they hit a weird counter, well, at least it's not Alfonso Davies running it. Like, right? It's well, going to be okay. There's no I mean, Leon Bailey. The, yeah, without Leon Bailey and Mikel Antonio, like, not threatening. Yeah, so I, I think I think when they when we when we go back to um, Freeport, I guess is where we would play that game. Um, I I think that that's going to be a very very difficult game to deal with against against Bailey and Antonio. But without them, this is a. a a championship level team right like back, yeah sorry back to reina though too i just something you said reminded me of this we missed him a couple times tonight because we didn't have a free kick specialist out there yeah and a couple like you know almost so close they were almost too close you know what i mean you, you really wanted it to be yeah. like five yards further get it up and down a little bit but uh yeah it would have been nice to have reina or even acosta out there taking those instead of uh desk i think took the other one by committee yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I actually I, I want to speak briefly about about West 
because you know, like, there Landon Donovan talked a lot of shit. Can we start with um, the hair? <laughs> the, uh, the, I, I, he, you know, who he looks like, and I don't know if either of you watch wrestling. Um, but he he has a streak in his hair like Matt Hardy, um, which Matt Hardy's character currently is like a, a crazy person who believes that he's an eternal soul, uh, and and has has uh, seen into the center of the universe. Anyways. Um, West, okay. West McKinney. That's a weird yeah, look, crossover. Some weird crossover. No, no, just, just I like it. Google broken Matt Hardy. It's very weird. Um, but uh, the the point is, is that like West McKinney, like it, it feels like he put that in his hair to just like be like, no, no, no heel turn. Like, I'm the bad guy now. Just <laughs> like, so you like when Hulk Hogan grew like the weird black beard. Yep. Yep. Yeah, like you got you got to indicate to your crowd that you are now no longer a face; you are a heel. Um, but I thought I, I thought on the field, like if, if you want to talk about on the field, I, I I think that we saw what we've always sort of known is that Wes and Tyler Adams playing together dominates dominates the midfield. Like you cannot counter that; you cannot deal with it. Well, and the whole, I think the that whole... question field is just weird to me because it's three really good players and none of them really seem like possession guys to me mm-hmm. they all seem like i don't know none of like they're really good players that just don't seem to be the kind of guys that would fit greg's system does that make sense yeah well it's it's i, I don't think that they do in it and it's an interesting thing because i think greg's system does not benefit the, the players that he has you know, like if, if you talk about like what he wants to do, but like at a certain point, like you got to play like he, he had to play Pepe, even though Pepe doesn't do the things he wants him to do. So it's like, well, he wants to play in a certain system. Well, he can't. And oh, by the way, on accident, that opens up his left wingers because I, I, now now Aronson and, and Pulisic uh, can just like play in that like sort of free 10 with tons of space. So he doesn't want to do it. But oh, by the way, like you sort of have to. I think that um, Adams does a, a different job very well, but I feel like McKenney and Musa are very similar. Like, you can have two of them, but having three of them, it becomes kind of redundant. Where you're right. not, gonna, you're not. There's no obvious like, okay, who's the guy who gets forward and like initiates the attack? And McKenney like can do it, but he's better. Yeah, so uh, he's 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 better in that role, and then obviously that that's why I think. That's why I think we've all been pushing for Reyna because then it's like very clear delineation. It's like right. Adams at the six, McKenney does the 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 dirty work shuffle, you know, shuttling, and Reyna's the guy who creates goals. Well, and it seems um, like almost the U.S. team and especially the midfield is set up to play well against good teams and not as much against like teams that are just going to bunker. So like, if and when we play Mexico, like keep the ball. I feel like those guys are set up just to like press the hell out of that midfield and win the ball and whatever, play high and just be a pain to play against. But if they're going to have the ball 70% of the time, there's not really a guy out of those three that's going to play a line splitting pass. That's going to play an an unexpected through ball. That's going to like create something. Weird, weird setup that almost would feel like they're better playing a good team than they are playing a crap team. I think you're absolutely right. I was going to make that exact point. Like with Musa, if you think back to the wow moments of him as a will he, won't he, will he be cap tied? It's when he collects the ball really in front of our own 18 
and like off the turn beats a guy and then, you know, dribbles 40 yards up the field to spring an attack. Well, the pro- you know, when, when you're, you know, recycling the ball in front of your opponent's goal for 90 minutes, he doesn't have that opportunity to, to really use his like differentiating skill. You know, you know what? He's like he's like a and and because this is the way this podcast works, I'm now referred to another sport. He's like a a a, a Russ Westbrook. Like Russell Westbrook in transition with space <laughs> is one, still one of the more dangerous players in the NBA. If you put him in the half court, he's unplayable. Yep. Like he's, well, he's just <laughs> unplayable. I, I, you know who I, I, you know who I else agree. I wanted to compare. You know who else I wanted to compare to Westbrook tonight? Never saw a shot. Didn't want. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Brendan Brendan Aronson uh, playing as as like a, a a secondary attacker taking five or six shots was real real nice. I really, I really hope- enjoyed that. Hobie every time. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great today, Coach. Do you know why I'm doing great? Tell me. Because I get to make podcasts with my friends using the Anchor app. It, and, well, you know, I, I get why that makes you happy, but certainly you have to pay for the Anchor app. You know, you'd be surprised to find out, completely free. Completely free, but they say nothing is free. Well, apparently podcasting with your friends can be through the Anchor app. Wow. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it's like you got to have some like super complicated studio or editing software, right? You know, I can't say that confidently, but since you're the one that edits all of our podcasts, I'm fairly confident any moron can do it. Well, you know, any any moron can do it because, again, I do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can edit well. You can't. I can't. I don't really know how to edit. But you can do it through the Anchor app. It supposedly makes it easy. You're just not that good at it. It's all right. And we, when we say you, we mean the royal you, listener. Not just you, Asa. Uh, or but, you, Greg. Right. Uh, and not just you, Greg, you, Greg, but you, Greg, Greg Burrell. Who, who I assume listens. Do, do we have confirmation that Greg Burhalter listens to the podcast? We have confirmation that a Greg listens to the podcast. Why do we need a second one? I mean, you certainly don't need an extra G. No, that's just, Greg. that's incredibly wrong. Um, but, you know, people listen to our, our podcast and they, they listen to it all over the place. So, does that happen by magic? It, it might. I don't know how we got a Czech Republic listener. <laughs> Well, I think it's because the Anchor app distributes via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It does. It's very easy to find. I've been able to find it on at least two of those services. And, you know, isn't that what the whole point is? Spotify, Apple, Google. Are what more do you need than those three? Right. Our tech overlords have made it clear that that's what you need. So that's what you need. What, what do you want? Um, so here's, here's probably the biggest question. Um, it is well established that you get pray, paid in breakfast tacos. Yes. Um, but if somebody wanted to be paid in perhaps fiat currency, such as dollars or pesos, could they do that through the Anchor app? I don't personally understand why they would choose to do that. But yes, the Anchor app is willing to pay you in fiat currency instead of breakfast tacos, if you are so inclined. We're... we're we're just saying that if you wanted to trade your podcasting voice for fiat currency that would then be used to buy breakfast tacos, you could do that. That's your choice. 
Your ideas intrigue me, and I would like to subscribe to your podcast. And I can do so using Google, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Just go to Touchlines and Touchdowns and click that little follow button, and you'll hear from us twice a week, every week. Every week. Um, So it sounds like this podcast, which is very professionally done, is all done in one place through the Anchor app. It sure is, which makes bridging our four different time zones a hell of a lot easier. Sure does. So, do, do you want to do you want to do the call to action, or do you want me to do the call to action? Be my guest. <laughs> this is a professional podcast. So, dear for listeners and friends, download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. Uh, do not put anchor.fm slash TLS underscore N underscore TDS um, because we don't get anything from it. So just go straight to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app so you too can trade fiat currency for breakfast tacos. That's really the dream. Of- How's it going, Jonathan? It's good. How are you today? I am good. Just uh, just hopped off a uh, a live stream with uh, our friends over at the uh, Spurs Touchline or Touchline Hotspur. I don't know. It's a Touchline Media Group thing, and uh, it was fun. I was we on video. We love those guys. They're great. Yeah. Good folks. Good folks. Uh, Nick, how we doing? Good. What's up, guys? Oh, we're just uh, we're chilling. We're chilling. So uh, as we record, it is uh, about five o'clock on Thursday. So we're we're recording much later than we normally do. And I have to say, uh, guys, we're we're two and a half hours out from the biggest game of the weekend. How we feeling about Houston at Tulane? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's always love when when we get football in the Big Easy, whether it's the Sugar Bowl or, or a regular season game against Houston. So uh, I think I'm looking forward to it. Can Tulane turn things around? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Who knows? Anything could happen in New Orleans on a Thursday night. And and that's you know that's what we're really talking about here. The uh, but so so going into this weekend, um, and and we have some. Uh, we have some thoughts from, from Nick that we really need to talk about in terms of uh, rookie quarterbacks. Um, and specifically, I want to talk about Zach Wilson because I think he's funny. But um, before we get there, uh, Michigan State has a, a big game about, you know, this weekend about who is the progenitor and owner of the concept of chopping. Jonathan, what do you think? You know, uh, I think that Rutgers does have a fair claim to the chop. However... And this is an important, however, when Greg Triano left, he had to take the chop with him and it is no longer, it is no longer a Rutgers thing. And so, so Mel Tucker does what Mel Tucker does. And that comes up with a, a new catchphrase every week, depending on what sounds cool and interesting. Um, uh, but they'll so, so settle think, it on this. Call. Yeah. I think that we, we have established via PJ Fleck that um, like sayings go with the coach mm-hmm. and, so Shiano doesn't have it since 2005. He has it since last year. And Mel Tucker was at Michigan State last year. I don't, I don't think that that's a Rutgers thing. I think that you've, you've ceded control of keep chopping. Sure. And, and we're getting a lot more inside the locker room footage this year. And, and for all we know, Mel Tucker was saying that last um, For all we know. I'm going to say he was, you know, because nobody can dispute that. And that's how these things work. The pandemic um, stole it from us. <laughs> 
um, so I think I think uh, in terms of this weekend, um, Rutgers, I, I think I don't think they're good, but they gave Michigan a, a whole bunch of a scare. So, you know, going into this weekend, what what are we thinking? I mean, Michigan State flying high, Rutgers sort of iffy, you know, noon game in in lovely Piscataway, Michigan State favored by five and a half. I mean, what are we thinking? How many punt returns is uh, Reed going to have? Well, he's averaging about a half of a touchdown on punt returns per game at this point. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I think good. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, I like The thing is, is that I don't think Rutgers is very good. And I think that when you lose by 40 at home to Ohio State, like you're not going to come off feeling great. Um, so like you know, feelings ball says that this, this Michigan state minus five and a half feels really good. Um, not that, not that I condone gambling in the state of California, but you know, if you were in a place where you could gamble that Michigan state five and a half feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of questions about it going in um, where we're not quite sure kind of, as you pointed to Asa, what, what a noon game in Piscataway looks like. Does, does that look more like a, a Spartan stadium experience or is that more like a, uh, what we were dealing with in Coral Gables um, or Evanston, right? And and I think there is also this this concern, right? It is uh, is Rutgers going to show up looking like how Miami felt against Appalachian State after they just got dismantled by Alabama? You know, Rutgers put together a few good performances, but uh, they really had very little to be uh, happy about with with how they looked against Ohio State and and. Uh, those aren't easy games to recover from, especially against a team with a lot of momentum like Michigan State. And and Tucker actually, Mel Tucker said something apparently at halftime of the Western Kentucky game where he said that his goal for games is to get the other team to quit. And I mean, I, Rutgers was down 52 to six in the third quarter of this game. Like that's a quitting effort. So I think that that if the goal of Michigan State is to make Rutgers quit, I mean, I don't know that they have that much left in them. You know, I mean, that game was 45 to six at halftime. Mm-hmm. So, and, 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 you know, they had six because they got a point after blocked. So I think, I think that, that you're, you're looking at a team in Rutgers that, look, I, don't, I, I think that Shiano is a good coach, I guess, when he's not doing things that are super shady and shitty. But – I don't know that this team is going to be like really believing in itself. You know, like I don't think Noah Vidral is the type of guy who inspires a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think, I think Michigan state will, will take care of business here. Uh, and, and, you know, again, it's Rutgers. So like there's a weirdness there because we, we see Rutgers and we assume shit uh, and usually we're correct, but who knows with this team, because losing by seven to Michigan and getting blown out by Ohio state are not like, super condemnable activities right and and going into the 2020 season with right with absolutely no idea what to expect and and thinking that you could expect one thing and that is what you were expecting from Rutgers football and and lo and behold Mel Tucker's first game as Michigan State's head coach the team turns it over seven times um arguably one of the the saddest performances of of what was already a very sad season and so I think I think that that will be in the back of a lot of the players' minds, certainly in the coaches' mind, and I think ball security. I think uh, exactly as Nick pointed to, special teams don't know the last time special teams was an X factor for Michigan State, but in a good way. Uh, so, uh, yeah, 
I, I think I think that I see it as as kind of a Michigan State by a touchdown, maybe even by a ten point. Uh, but but I think uh, MSU is able to get to six and zero after this weekend. What do you think, Nick? Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be Rutgers too. But I mean, I, I'm not betting on it. Like I I liked betting on Michigan State at the beginning of the year when no one believed in them. But I'm not I'm not really interested in laying points with them now that everyone's kind of like. Oh, Michigan State's pretty good. We'll see. Yeah. So I uh, the, the the other big games of the weekend um, that I think are are worth pointing out in in some fashion, either because I think they'll be funny or because I think they'll actually be worth watching. Um, I'm 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 gonna immediately get rid of the Georgia Auburn game because if I say that that game will be funny, it won't be. But if we ignore it because Georgia's just going to run in, go into Jordan Hare and take care of business, then it's, it's more likely to be a, a game worth watching. Um, but the big game of the weekend is, is Penn State at Iowa at, what, 3 o'clock local? Um, and I, I got to tell you, th- this game is giving me a whole bunch of, like, Penn State is going to go to Kinnick and die. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know how good Iowa is. I, I've mentioned in various group chats that I think that they're clown frauds. Um, but I don't know. I mean, what, 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 what are you guys, like, going into this, looking at Penn State and Iowa, both of whom I think are bad, but are third and fourth in the country? You know, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, this will really be our, our last true test of whether or not Iowa is clown frauds. Because I'm pretty sure that Penn State is the only team from the Big Ten East that plays Iowa, and they have to go to Kinnick to do it. So if Penn State is able to do it after already going to Madison and, and week one and, and having a, a pretty successful showing, then it appears that Penn State is uh, is perhaps a contender. Likely will finish top four in the Big Ten East as a result. Um, I I don't know what, I don't know what to think about this Iowa team. They've looked good so far and, and, uh, they've beaten some, some, uh, decent teams, but, um, I I think that we're going to end up in with a big 10 bloodbath. I'm I'm not expecting a lot of offense and I'm not expecting a lot of excitement. Um, I, I think that this one, this one will, will make you remember that it is being played in the middle of Iowa. I, I think the, the interesting thing about Iowa is that they have two they have two wins against ranked teams, but those wins are against Indiana and Iowa State. And both of those wins are not nearly as sterling as they looked at the time because I Indiana sucks. Um, and Iowa State is not good. So I, I like it's, I wonder about Iowa and the same thing with Penn State because we've seen from Wisconsin that Wisconsin blows. So who's Penn State's like big win against, you know, like they beat Auburn, but who the hell knows what Auburn is. And so, you know, I, I think that, that this is an example and I, we've talked about it on the podcast before. This is a year where everybody sucks except for two teams. And it's just like, who sucks less in, in games that matter. And I, I think that, that there's an argument to be made that that's Iowa because Iowa feels like a, the type of team that just like sort of waits out until you do something stupid. Um, which is their traditional outlook on life. Just like wait you out. And then at the end, you know, hope that you throw five interceptions like Maryland did. Yeah. I uh, think that kind of makes Penn state a good bet because um, I was favored in this game. Yeah. So I, I was favored by, I, I think I've seen them as, as like two and a half point favorites, one and a half, maybe. So on DraftKings, it's one and a half right now, but 
I would just stay away from that and take Penn State plus 110 on the money line. And like John was saying, not a lot of excitement in this game. That's reflected in the over-unders, 40 and a half, pretty low for a college game. So, Yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun. And by fun, I mean don't watch that game if you don't have to. Um, in terms of, of games that might be actually much more interesting than I would have said uh, prior to the season, uh, Arkansas versus Ole Miss, both of whom coming off their first loss, both of whom got blown out last week but both of whom were like sort of fun teams coming into the season. And you have Matt Corral, who uh, I think, I think NFL fans should, should start getting familiar with that name because I think that he's going to, to end up being a, a high draft pick uh, going into to the, the NFL draft. Um, he's, he's 1200 yards, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, a QBR of 85. Um, and he's playing out of his mind. And then Arkansas, you know, they're running the ball like hell. So that game, that game's at, uh, that, that game's in, um, in Mississippi, in Oxford, and Mississippi's five and a half. I, I feel like that's a, that's a safe pick. I don't think Arkansas is good. I think that, they're, that they beat up on a bad Texas team. And I think that Ole Miss has talent. Uh, you know, Bama effect aside. Isn't isn't Ole Miss usually like kind of underratedly like stacked with talent? So Ole Miss is traditionally cheats pretty solidly. Um, And so they're, they're super talented, but they, they're like the, the old, um, like the, like the Michigan state teams of old that like their top line talent was as good as anybody. It's just that they had no depth. And that's, that's sort of the the same situation um, that we have here where they're a talented team, but who knows if Lane Kiffin can get them all focused in the same direction. Right. I just remember like they they were the team that had DK Metcalf and all those guys and like they weren't any good. Yeah, that's a Hugh Freeze team. Similar concept. Um there becomes so, a challenge uh when a team reaches a certain level of strength in its recruiting where you need to replace an uh, a good number of your coaches with bagmen. Um and and sometimes <laughs> this works out and your bagmen have some coaching experience and are willing to put in the time, but but other times it is it is really more of kind of a membership director or networking professional that that you're employing as your running backs coach. Um, and, and I think that Ole Miss to compete in the SEC really went all in on those recruiting staff uh, to the detriment of coaching up those players, which is how you end up with a DK Metcalf, basically a kid who was just told to do nothing but lift weights and run in a straight line for four years. And then hopefully uh, some good would turn out of it. I mean, it worked out for him to the extent that he was completely underdrafted and ended up on a team that could utilize his skill set until Russell Wilson's arm throws uh, falls off. Um, speaking of which, I, I think I, I don't really want to talk about Oklahoma versus Texas because who cares? And Michigan goes to Nebraska in a game that I solidly advise you not to watch because that game has 10 to 6 written all over it. Um, because Michigan can't throw and Nebraska is really good against the run. And Nebraska's bad on offense, and Michigan might be good on defense. Who knows? Um, but tonight, as we, as we record, um, this will probably be posted as this game enters uh, the third quarter. But Los Angeles at Seattle tonight, talking about Russell Wilson. Um, the, uh, this game is, will be interesting because it's, uh, it's, it's considered on, on, uh, on, by ESPN to be a true pick but 
the Rams are are uh, giving two and a half. So so what do you think? What do you think, Nick? Do you think that that Matt Stafford can win games? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I've been kind of banging that drum on this podcast for a while that you know Matthew Stafford. It, it was his failures in Detroit were more on the lines than on him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's out there three and one. I know they lost last week, but, uh, I'm not a believer in the Seahawks. I mean, Jared Goff beat the Seahawks in the playoffs last year with the Rams. So I I don't think Stafford should really have much of a problem with the Seahawks. So I, I actually, I saw something interesting today and I, I'll, 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 I think I retweeted it, but, um, someone pointed out that since Matt Stafford arrived in Los Angeles, they've, their their use of play action has like been cut in half and like they're just they're throwing out of the gun and they're running from under center um and i wonder if if that will start occurring to defenses that's what i've been because sean mcveigh for all of his you know wonderkind genius um he's pretty predictable uh so i I wonder if teams are going to start keying in on stafford the way that they did um when he was in detroit where there was no running game to be to speak of well, I think you're looking at that a little bit differently than I am. So, a play play action is just like steroids for your quarterback. Play action is just like a cheat code. Like, yeah, if your quarterback is limited, if your quarterback is Kirk Cousins or Baker Mayfield, they're going to need to do a lot of play action. Matthew Stafford's been so efficient so far this year that Sean McVay is like, the training wheels are off. I don't need to do all this play action that Jared Goff needed. That you know these other quarterbacks need. Matthew Stafford doesn't need that, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think uh, you know they can always if, if if Stafford is really struggling, they can fall back on the you know play action stuff and scheming guys open. But right now, they're just going to let Stafford go until uh, you know it's really not working. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So the game I want to talk about next is the next game, both chronologically and also the game that I think is the funniest one. Because the NFL, you know, they play, what is it, one or two games in, in London every year. And we've decided no to... No good export... ones. Never what? give them a good game. <laughs> <laughs> we have exported the worst possible game. And we we're going to give... give them the worst possible team when the team moves over there. <laughs> uh, Jacksonville, enjoy. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the Jets versus the Falcons. So, Nick, you mentioned in the, uh, in, the, in the production meeting that you wanted to talk about some rookie quarterbacks. So what do you think about Zach Wilson? And we can go from there about the rookies. Oh, just about Zach Wilson? I mean, <laughs> I mean he, hasn't been, he hasn't been great, but at least uh, uh, this last week he, he made some big-time throws in that game against the um, – so, I mean, that was impressive. I think it's interesting looking at the uh, – um, offensive rookie of the year odds, Mac Jones is uh, the favorite on DraftKings right now. And I mean, I just don't really know why that is. Like, you go and watch, uh, you know, Sunday night game like Sunday night football against Tampa Bay. I mean, Bill Belichick tried, you know, a, basically an impossible field goal instead of just like letting Mac Jones go for it on fourth down. I thought that was so funny I, because, like, because, like you said, like everybody was talking about, oh, Mac Jones, he looks so good. They're not even going to miss Tom Brady this year, blah, blah, blah. And it's like Bill Belichick looked at Tom Brady across the field and was like, you know what? I'm going to give him two minutes, plus we're going to try an impossible field goal instead of trying to get three yards on fourth down here. And yeah, if that's, Bill, yeah. if, that's what was crazy about it was that – well, and this kind of transitions into my other thing. Um, 
but like I think it was like a minute left, but the Buccaneers had two timeouts. Even if that kick goes in, Tom Brady's going right down the field and getting another field goal and you're losing. So like there was just it was just a, a lose lose proposition. Like you gotta go for it. Yeah. Um, there. But I, I just to to go into the Lions uh thing for a second. Um Everyone is all up in arms about Dan Campbell all of a sudden. Like, he's a really bad coach because he keeps going for it on fourth down in these games. The Lions are losing all their games. I don't, have you guys heard this? <laughs> have, you guys, have you guys seen this? Have you guys heard about this? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like, it, it just goes back to people not understanding win probability and uh, just, you know, anti-intellectual and just not – understanding analytics, statistics, whatever you want to call it, like reality, uh, like, like logic. About, yeah. No, but, but, like, forget <laughs> about the lines. Think about um, uh, Green Bay in the playoffs last year. They're down eight points and it's fourth down. And they're at, you know, they're at the five yard line or where, wherever they were. Yeah. And they kick a field goal and everyone gets so mad because they blew the game. Well, last time I checked, even if they score a touchdown and get the two-point conversion, the game's still tied. Correct. So I don't see that as they blew the game right there. They were, they had to stop the other team anyway, no matter what. So, I, I mean, you had less than 10% chance of winning. Like, like regardless of what happened. Like, even if you like score, if you, even yeah, if you get when, but when you make the decision to kick the field goal, you had less than a 10% chance of winning. So, like, on Sunday against the Bears, Lions are down 10 or 14. No, they're down 10, and they they didn't kick the field goal. They they went for they went, they went went for it on fourth and two, fourth and three. Yeah. And, and now Dan Campbell's a bad coach. Now <laughs> it's concerning. Uh you know, when, when he was talking about biting off kneecaps and, and wearing a, a race car helmet during press conferences, that was fine. Now that he's doing probably the smartest thing a Lions coach has done, at, you know, in the last 15 years, go for it on fourth down most of the time. Most of those plays have been passing plays. I mean, these are yeah, great I, I... process. These are great process moves by Dan Campbell. I think Dan Campbell, um, just based off of, his enthusiasm and then all this stuff with going for it on fourth downs. Um, he's showing a lot more being an Owen four rookie head coach than another Owen four <laughs> head coach who has been in the uh, media, in the news a lot in this last week. But, but we uh, we'll talk we, about herbs in a moment. But... Well, we don't even have to talk about him. I'm just saying uh, Dan Campbell has a six year contract and it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere for a while. Like he is, you know, he has the enthusiasm to do this job. Like the guy in Jacksonville is pretty clearly <laughs> done already. Yeah. He doesn't want to be here anymore. And like, um, <laughs> you can't do a skirt, a scorched earth rebuild, which is what the lions are doing, by the way, they have, they traded for Jared Goff, but like the lions are maybe three years away from being two years away. Like this is, bad news with this uh the talent on this team yeah i uh so i i think i i think the thing is with with fans and and you you see it with with the fans who who look who only complain after the fact but any fan who looks at it going for it on fourth down 
with a team that is, let's say, nicely roster management challenged, um, like you, you have to play variants. You have to try to find wins wherever you can. Like the Lions are not going to line up, play conservatively, and beat anybody because who's going to win a one-on-one? Who on this Lions team is going to win a one-on-one against anybody? You know, like there's no there's no real exciting skill position talent there's no there's nobody in on the defense who's going to do anything you know the probably the best pass rusher on the team is out for the season um so like well, right, right. Gotta... but I, I want to kind of fight against that too because I, I don't think he's doing it just because the lions are bad he's doing it because he believes in it and that's it's what gives them the best chance to win it's not because he has an expansion roster he's like oh i'm just gonna go for it on fourth down all the time no he's doing it because he would do it with a good team and i think um, the reason that he's really doing it, and it's similar to uh, Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach. By the way, everyone is uh, kissing his rear end for going it on fourth, for going for it on fourth down all the time with Justin Herbert and the Chargers. So, like, you know, the media here getting all over Dan Campbell just because the Lions team is bad, really is what's happening. Um, right. But I think what both of them did is Brandon Staley was the assistant or was the defensive coordinator for the Rams. Sean McVay is one of the most conservative coaches in the, in the league on, um, on fourth down in terms of going for it. And uh, Dan Campbell was in a similar situation. He was the assistant to Sean Payton, who is also very conservative, loves kicking field goals, loves punting and plus territory. And I think both, I think both of those guys, I think Dan Campbell and, and, and uh, Brandon Staley were just like, if I ever get the job, if I ever get a head coaching job, I'm going to go for it as much as possible because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that, 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 that makes sense. Um, but so I, so I was actually, I was making a separate point. Like I, I think that Campbell, like you might be right. You might be right. that Campbell is just like, this is the right thing to do. And that's what we're going to do it. But even if he wasn't, even if he just was trying to win the game in front of him, like you got to find something. And I think that, that, that Detroit, so Detroit goes to Minnesota this week. They're giving seven and a half. You know, we talked in the group chat about like, that, that's a winnable game probably, but like, uh, would you even touch lions lines at this point? Um, I mean, with the, with the touchdown, you can, you can touch them, but I wouldn't, I mean, plus seven and a half is, is fine, but I mean, it's not, I'm not recommending betting on the Lions game by game now, of course, but I'm just saying, like, um, like I, I think the, the question was different in the group chat. The question was more, do you see them losing their next four games? If you give me their next four games, and I don't have to pick which specific one that they're going to win, um, then I can say it's a little easier to be like, hey, yeah, they'll win one. Of those. <laughs> they'll go one and three against. Yeah, they'll they'll squeak out one, but I mean, you know, you're not really picking them to beat anybody right now they look pretty bad yeah so um of of the of the games this week nick like what what game do you like of of the lines like what what game would would you recommend to the extent that it's legal where our listeners are listening oh so i haven't really looked at much but i did the one team that sticks out is uh the orleans saints minus uh, two or two and a half. It's on, two and a half on DraftKings right now. They're playing the Washington football team. Uh, I think I think we were all <laughs> about the Washington football team. I think this is one of the classic things where uh, you know defense regresses year to year. The best defense 
year, not always the best defense this year. Everybody loves um, the offensive line – or, uh, sorry, the defensive line for the Washington football team. Their secondary is terrible. And those those things are, are – yeah, those things are married. Those things are joined at the hip. So, um, you know, unless there's some serious pressure on Jameis – and also, Sean Payton, like, what is he – like? let Jameis cook already, please. It's like, this is a travesty what's going on uh, in New Orleans. Like, oh man. I, so, so I, I think the interesting thing about Sean Payton is I think Sean Payton had sort of a, uh, a theory in his head about Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. And I think that a lot of the Taysom Hill shit like worked because Drew Brees was there if it didn't. And Sean Payton doesn't trust Jameis Winston the way that he trusted Drew Brees, which fair. But like, you 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 got to do something, man. He's got to trust one of. I mean, trust if he trusted Taysom Hill, I would say put Taysom, let Taysom Hill just play quarterback. If he trusted anybody, he clearly doesn't trust Jameis. This is like torture watching Jameis do this, and he won't throw to Camara. It's just killing everything. <laughs> it's like I, I I think I saw like there there's a stat the other day that uh, last game was the first time Alvin Kamara hadn't been hadn't been targeted uh, since college. Yeah, since. Uh, yeah, since he was at Tennessee, some random game. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's brutal. But it has to change this week. It has to change against Washington. If it doesn't, then the Saints are in some serious trouble, I would say. I think that that's fair. But I, I don't know. I mean, anytime you go up against Taylor Heineke, is he starting? Or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Who's, who's, who's starting this week? It'll be Heineke. Ryan Fitzpatrick is out for a long time. Oh, like. right, 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 right. Yeah, so Heineke uh, and Antonio Gibson uh, against the Saints. Um, well, Ian Gibson is missing practice. I don't know if he missed practice today, but he missed practice yesterday, and a bunch of other players missed practice yesterday for Washington. Washington's all banged up, and they're not even any good anyway. They're they're <laughs> one of the teams everybody on. Well, I guess, uh, I guess best of luck in, in that game. I'm, I'm seeing it as low as, as New Orleans minus one and a half. Hammer. Hammer yeah. yeah, that feels safe. Um, and then the, uh, the, the, the last game that, that I want to talk about is the, uh, the Monday night game because people always like betting that one. You've got uh, the, the Colts at Baltimore, Baltimore minus seven. Um, that to me seems like despite the, the scary number of it, uh, that feels safe to me. Uh, which, which side? The, I, I think Baltimore is going to blow them out. I think the Colts are bad. Oh, yeah. But isn't that what everybody would say? <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean, but if you can get it, if you can get it minus seven and a half, why not? Because they can win by a touchdown and you still lose money. It's seven and a half. Yeah. But do you think that do you think that the Colts are going to be able to stay within seven of Lamar Jackson and friends? I mean, logically, no. But also, <laughs> it's going to be a super public side on Monday night. You know, I, I'm always nervous about betting something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Jonathan, do you have any thoughts on betting the uh, the Ravens? Uh, you know, I, I love the Ravens, and I think this year's Ravens team is actually, like, relatively good, and they just haven't played that well so far. I would not touch them with a bet, period. So. Special thank you to our guests, uh, Ben, who you can find at BL Herald on Twitter and also at halfspaces.com. He'll have a review of the window and each game in the window um, up shortly, and, and you'll want to definitely want to check that out. 
Uh, you can find Kevin not on the internet because he doesn't believe in it. Uh, you can find Nick at Electric Snuff on Twitter. And you can find Jonathan at Jontrification on Twitter. Uh, you can find all of us at uh, the Mothership Twitter at TLS underscore N underscore TDS. Um, and if you have any incendiary takes, you can tweet them at Mr. Mojo Rising 89. Uh, we're not on Instagram. Uh, we're we're going to get that up and running shortly. We're going to try to get that uh, going for you. Um, and we are not on TikTok. But if you think that we should be on TikTok, uh, make sure to like, subscribe, share, uh, write a review wherever you get your podcast and let us know what you would like to see. Um, a special thank you to our sponsors, uh, the Anchor app and the Smith Workforce Management Group. A special thank you to our, uh, our co- colleagues and, and cohorts at the Touchline Media Group. Um, check out the, uh, the Spurs Touchline Hotspur uh, episode that dropped uh, when this one did on, uh, on October 7th. Uh, I was on there, talked with the guys. It was really, really fun. And uh, make sure to like and subscribe to all their stuff as well. Um, and finally, a special thank you to you, the listener. Um, we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. So thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.